sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Hello, everybody. As you heard, this is Mark Crutcher, president of Life Dynamics, and I'm joined by my charming, I guess is the right word, co-host. Thank you so much. She's lurking nearby, as she always is, Sarah Wade. In a charming manner. In a charming way, (laughs) yeah, a very charming way. Anyway, lots going on in the pro-life battle. We talked last week about what's going on at the state level, and lots of things are happening. Texas has seven bills in front of the legislature, and passed two of them uh, this past Monday, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. One of them being the heartbeat bill that was promoted by our friend Janet Porter. She's the mover and shaker behind all that. She doesn't always get the credit that she richly deserves. But she's Isn't that a, usually the case? That's always <laughs> the case, yep. And also another important note that will go underneath the radar is that today... On the day that we are recording this, this is your birthday. Yes. So happy birthday, Mark. Would you like me to sing for you? No, thank you. <clears throat> me, 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 I'd, me, me. I'd like to. Your <laughs> gift can be that you don't sing. I've heard you sing before. It's, no, you have. Not really. Yes, I have. No. And it's not a pretty uh-uh. sight. Well, thank you. They're clicking by like pickets in a fence right now. So at my age, it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Well, just think today is the oldest you've ever been. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> oh, let me think. Is this the first day of the rest of my life? <laughs> Find some sort of cheesy platitude Cheesy, yeah. Cheesy is the right word. Anyway, I saw something on the internet that I thought was comical, and we need. I'm going to bring it up before we get into our subject for this week. Somebody said, after seeing what Biden has done in just the past two months, I want to thank him for not doing anything at all during the previous 47 years. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one way of looking at this. You can look at the silver lining on this cloud. Yeah, Uh, I guess that's a silver lining. It is astonishing what's happening to our country right now. In all my years, 73 years, I could have never imagined that we'd be in this situation. But here we are. And related on that vein is today's topic, which is the war on men. Yes. You know, we've heard this rhetoric for years about the war on women, Mm -hmm. which is pure 100% nonsense. Kind of like the gender pay gap that I hear so much about. Right. The gender wage gap is based on a study where they take the average earning for all men and the average earning for all women and just compare, which completely Mm -hmm. ignores really important factors like the field that you go into, Mm -hmm. the number of hours that you work. And women are like six times as likely to have part-time work. Especially after they have children. But they count that as a one. And women are more likely to go into fields such as counseling and education and fields that earn significantly less than the fields that men typically go into, which is the more science, technology, engineering, mathematics fields, which earn more. I've been on talk shows where this subject came up and people on the other side say, oh, you know, women make 77 cents on the dollar Mm -hmm. for every dollar that a man makes. And I challenged them. I said, can you bring me an example of where a man and a woman are doing exactly the same job? Working the same hours, same same level of experience. Everything's the same. Mm -hmm. And the woman's making 77 cents to every dollar the man makes. And I've never had one of them do it. In fact, there's some fields where you look at it and women actually make more than men. Well, and also, if you break down, break it into four categories, Mm -hmm. married men, single men, Mm -hmm. married women, single women. Mm -hmm. The highest paid are married men. Mm -hmm. The lowest paid are single men. Young single women around their 20s 
actually earn more than men of their age group. Yeah, right. So the wild card here is marriage. If you're married, you tend to be more and children settled both. down. Mm-hmm. So you're therefore more reliable. And I understand why single men make less than anybody else because yeah. they're the ones you can rely on the least to show up every day for work. <laughs> so it's not always the case, but as a whole, mm-hmm. they are the least reliable workers that you'll have. Anyway, what brought this up mm-hmm. is there's an article in Vogue magazine. Now, this yeah. is obviously a women's magazine. You don't find too many men reading Vogue magazine. This woman named Emily Ratajkowski, Ratajkowski it looks like Kowski, wrote an article on pregnancy and why she doesn't want to reveal the gender of her baby. And I just want to read what she wrote here. This is pretty unbelievable. My friend, who is the mother of a three-year-old boy, tells me that she didn't think she cared about gender until her doctor broke the news that she was having a son. She burst into tears in her office, quote, and then I continued to cry for a whole month, she says matter-of-factly. After a difficult birth experience, she developed postpartum depression and decided that she resented her husband more than she ever imagined possible. She told me that she particularly hated that she actually made an actual physical list that she kept in her journal, editing it daily, how peacefully he slept. Quote, there is nothing worse than the undisturbed sleep of a white man in a patriarchal world, unquote. She shakes her head. Quote, it was hard to come to terms with the fact that I was bringing yet another white man into the world, but now I adore him and can't imagine it any other way. She also eventually learned to love her husband again. The sound of this perfect sleep slept next to her at night is now tolerable. She can tolerate him being peaceful in his sleep. Tolerate. Tolerate the white male that she married. Right. And she's now likes the white son, white male that she brought into the world. But the point is, why did this woman have this mental attitude to begin with? Because this is what radical feminism has brought us. Right. This is what intersectionality has brought us. Right. It doesn't end discrimination. It fuels it. It just redirects it in other directions. Well, you know, one of the points that I've always made is that feminism... You're talking about this new wave of feminism, the modern feminism. No, not, I'm talking about neo-feminism that started in the 60s. Yeah. They wrapped everything. The cornerstone of women's rights was abortion. And lesbianism was right there with it. Most people may not realize this, but here in Denton is the largest women's university in the United States, Mm -hmm. Texas Women's University. And they tend to be pretty liberal, but and they had a now chapter over there years ago. And there wasn't even an article in Denton paper. They had gone to the National Now Convention and came back and disbanded their now chapter. They said, we had no idea. (laughs) This is what it was all about. This is what we were getting into. Yeah, the feminist movement was hijacked by all these other groups, and it was morphed and twisted into this thing that we have have today. Right, and the early feminists in this country, the Susan B. Anthony's and Elizabeth Cady Stanton's and Virginia Woodhull's and all these women wouldn't even recognize what is passing for feminism today. Yeah, I would like to call myself a feminist, except I can't accept where this direction (laughs) of feminism has gone. One of the points that I've always made, though, is that, and I never had thought about this fully, but what abortion does is it pits women against their children. Mm-hmm. Feminism has convinced women that their victims and their enemies are their children. Well, and the men. According to feminism, men are taught patriarchal oppression at young ages. Right. So when you're bringing another male into the world, you're creating a new wave of oppression. So if that's your mindset, right. then of course you look at your son and you think, what have I done? Of course you look at your husband and all of a sudden have disdain for him. 
you don't even want him sleeping peacefully. I mean, that's what this woman was saying. I mean, when you were reading that, I was fearing for the She's husband. She's going to kill him in his sleep. Yeah. And I want you to think about this. You and I have never talked about some of these issues, but I thought about something last night. When you look at this deal of abortion being the cornerstone of women's rights and mm-hmm. abortion then being used to separate women from their babies and women from their husbands. Mm-hmm. If the husband doesn't want an abortion and the woman's going to do it anyway, he's probably going to leave. He's probably gone. But let's look at this idea that they pit women against their babies and then women against men. And women against themselves. Well, that's true, too. But I want you to think about something. When you see someone, and let's just say there's a man out here. He may be married. They may be just boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. But he is either physically or more likely emotionally abusing the woman in his life. Mm -hmm. And he wants to dominate her. He wants to just be her lord and master, right? Yeah. What is the first thing these guys always do? They and separate them they from They separate the family. them from everybody else. Because they know if she has a good support system, then she'll leave them. Well, isn't that what they're doing here? Yeah. They're separating women from their babies and women from men. They want women to believe that what's standing in the way of you having a happy, fulfilling life is the man in your life and the baby that y'all create. And feminism is now purporting that women are victims. Right. And abortion devalues life and it teaches people to not only devalue the lives of others but their own lives i can't tell you how many times i've talked to uh, somebody who's pro-choice and you say well well, what about you and they'll say well if my mother had needed an abortion i would have hoped she would have aborted me or she should have aborted me you have to have a certain amount of disrespect or not of appreciation of the value of your own life to take that position. Right. Obviously you do. You see your life as having no worth. So therefore you could have been just eliminated. And I've had that conversation too, a couple of times, um, radio interviews where some pro-abort woman will call in and I'm thinking how sad it is. Mm -hmm. And I've had these women say, look, if I had been aborted, I'd never know. I wouldn't know the difference. Well, that's like saying then if you shoot a one-year-old baby through the head, no harm was done because he never knew. He never knew what life was going to be. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's idiocy on its face. Yeah. But the point here is, this is a classic example of this idea that if you want to dominate people, if you want to make sure that you own them, separate them from everybody else. Mm-hmm. If you ask, say, the average woman, she's 80 years old, she's on her deathbed, 90 years old, whatever she might be, and you say, what were the two primary relationships in your life during your 90 years here on earth. She's going to tell you, my husband and my children, mm-hmm. right? Feminism, uh, neo-feminism, let me make that point, was designed to separate those women from those two relationships. The men are your enemy. The baby is the thing that's keeping you from fulfilling your life's wishes. And so it keeps them tied to these people. Yeah, there was an article in Commentary Magazines. The title of the article is, Man-Hating Goes Mainstream. And one of the quotes in there was Susanna Walters, a sociology professor. And she says, when they have gone low for all of human history, maybe it's time for us to go all Thelma and Louise and Foxy Brown on their collective butts. Denouncing the U.S. as the land of legislatively legitimized toxic masculinity. She adds, don't run for office. Don't be in charge of anything. Step away from the power. We have every right to hate you. Yeah. You're preaching hate like that. What Mm -hmm. do you think you're going to get? Yeah. And we have a nation full, not every woman, obviously, mm-hmm. but we have a nation full right now of bitter, angry women who bought this nonsense back in the 60s and early 70s yeah. and who now realize, 
I sacrifice my life. I don't have relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't have what other women my age have, the comfort that they have from the family that they they had and I don't have. Well, there's a point I want to kind of briefly go over that we'll kind of get into later on. And that's that they talk about toxic masculinity and male violence. If you actually look at the things that are related to male violence, if you look at men who in their childhood were separated from their fathers or they didn't have a father in their life, they're more likely to experience violence problems with drugs, crime. So it's fatherlessness that's Me a problem. <laughs> yeah, fatherlessness is a problem. And what plays into fatherlessness? Well, the new wave feminism that was about the sexual revolution, we can have relationships and have children on our own. We don't need men. What does that lead to? Fatherlessness. Well, what you've touched on here is something you're not old enough to remember and weren't alive then. Mm-hmm. But back in the late 60s and early 70s, you literally had some of these women. Back then, they were called bra burners. But you really... Which I don't get because if you knew anything about the price of bras, you would not be burning those puppies. Well, they were. But anyway, <laughs> um, they would literally characterize men mm-hmm. basically as sperm donors. Yeah. And I can literally remember some of these people saying, look, once he's donated his sperm, mm-hmm. you don't need him. You can send him down the road. He's given you all you need from him. Then later on, you started having women coming out saying, you know what? My kid really could have used a father. Yeah. And it's not just sons. It's daughters, too. There's a special bond between daughters and daddies. You have it with your father, and I have it with Sheila. My dad very much taught me to be self-reliant, to do the things that I could do, but also appreciate men and what they bring to the table. A father plays a huge role in a girl's not only self-esteem, but what she looks at when she's picking a romantic partner. She's the foundation of male role models. Well, you know, when we were doing the Child Predator Project, Mm -hmm. and we were doing a lot of research into that because of the fact that right now the conservative estimates are that among girls 15 and younger who get Mm -hmm. pregnant, 60 to 80 percent are impregnated by adults. Yeah. Uh, Now, sometimes that adult means she's 15 or 14 and she's going out with a 21 or 22-year-old. But -hmm. sometimes it means that she's 14 or 15 or 12 and she's having sex with a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old or a 60-year-old. And we started looking at those things because this is what Planned Parenthood and the National Abortion Federation are hiding. Mm -hmm. They're protecting these men because the men are the ones, when an abortion gets them off the hook, it hides all the evidence, the men are the ones with the money. And this always comes back to the money. So they protect these men mm-hmm. um, by ignoring the mandatory reporting laws. Yeah. But when we started researching this, one of the things that we discovered was, you might say to yourself, why would a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old girl mm-hmm. get, get sexually involved, involved with a yeah. 40-year-old or a 50-year-old? Yeah. And what you always found is they had what were called daddy issues. They either didn't have a dad present or they struggled to get their dad's attention. Or whatever. Yeah. But they had what were called daddy issues. These older men who prey on these young girls, they recognize that. They crave male attention. They crave male attention, and these girls have daddy issues. And if that pedophile figures that out, Mm -hmm. and he will, Mm -hmm. that's what they capitalize on in order to have sex with this little kid. And, And almost all of those cases that we looked at, the problem with the daddy issue was the absent daddy. Yeah, and you were saying that there were unprecedented numbers of girls being in relationships with these older men. Right. And I want to point out a statistic here. The U.S. Bureau of Census reports that in 1960, 
Children were living with their mother, but not their father, numbered 5.1 million. Okay, so 5.1 million children living with their mother, no father. By 1996, the number was more than 16 million. And that was 96. That's not even today. Right. And but you me, know that that's gotten higher. Let me point. You said 1950? 1960 versus 1996. Okay. In 1960, a lot of those women mm-hmm. that had children that there was no father, mm-hmm. it's because the father was killed in World War II. Yeah. So that's a big factor there that didn't exist in 1996. Well, and today there's another thing that's going on. Women are more likely to receive custody of their children. Only 17.5% of men are custodial parents of their child. Well, as a man, you know good and well. If you divorce from your wife, Mm -hmm. and unless you can go out and prove that she's drug addicted. Something that's concerning. Right. Unless you can prove that, you're not getting custody. You might get shared custody, but you're not going to get sole custody. She's going to get custody, and you're going to pay child support. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's always been the way it is. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that's not the right system. I think that what needs to happen is for the family to stay together. Yeah. But if the divorce is inevitable, if one of them's going to be the primary caretaker mm-hmm. and everything else is equal, she's not a prostitute and she's not on drugs, drugs whatever, I'm not sure that it's not best for the child to be with the mother. I think that there's a bond there that needs to be solidified, but that father needs to be involved. And she doesn't need to push him out, which very often happens. But one thing I always wondered about, even back in the day when these, well, like I said, the what were called the bra burners back then those days, and they don't make any bones about it. They vehemently hated men. Yeah. They hated all men. By the nature of the fact that you were male, you were hateful. Did these women not have fathers and brothers? And did they hate them? Did I don't they, know. Well, you know they had fathers. Yeah, obviously. Somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. But if you were one of these people and you were out here saying, you know, hey, once he donates his sperm, you don't need him anymore. Send him on down the road. Women can, single women can raise children just as well as a husband and wife can raise children, which is nonsense. Nobody believes that. What's that old saying? It takes a village? <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't take a mother and a father, right? Yeah. But, you know, I think feminism started out with a good goal. But it got hijacked, it lost its way, it got morphed, and it got changed. And what is that old saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Right. And something I want to touch on briefly here is you hear a lot of people talking about how girls are being lost in the education system. And a lot of this originated in 1982 with a woman named Carol Gilligan, who released the book In a Different Voice, talking about how adolescent girls were in this crisis and, you know, patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. So after her book, a whole bunch of stuff started coming out, and laws and programs were changed. And now what you're finding is, and as noble as their intentions may have been, a typical boy is a year and a half behind the typical girl in reading and writing. He is less likely to be committed to school and less likely to go to college. More girls are studying abroad than boys. Girls are dominating in college enrollments. Girls get better grades. They have higher educational aspirations. They follow more rigorous academic programs and participate in advanced placement classes at higher rates. According to the National Education Statistics, slightly more girls than boys enroll in high school-level math and science courses. They now outnumber boys in student government, honor societies, school newspapers, debating clubs. Only in sports are boys ahead. So in technical language, the girls are more academically engaged. Boys are three times more likely to receive a diagnosis of ADD, get held back, and drop out of school. Yep. And no one's really addressing this. Anytime you hear about education, it's, we got to get more girls into STEM, yep. which is great, right. but we need to be looking at this over here. And I'm telling you, it's very difficult 
not to think that this war on men, which mm-hmm. has been going on, hasn't affected the self-esteem of these boys. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. It mm-hmm. had to. And there was a fundamental flaw in feminism, neo-feminism, that the goal wasn't necessarily to elevate women. It was to bring men down. Mm-hmm. So these boys have grown up at a time when they've heard in their classrooms or they've seen on television or they've seen on the Internet that they're scum and they're washouts and they're losers and their only value to the society is the sperm they can create. There's this article that I found called Male Bashing America's Favorite Pastime and the journalist found these statements and greeting cards. Not all men are annoying. Some are dead. Men only have two faults, everything they say and everything they do. Women must be twice as good as men to be thought of as half as good. Fortunately, this is not difficult. Now, in the article, just as for a little mind think, he swaps the genders and makes it about women. Yeah. Now, suddenly, what do you think people's reaction oh, is when they would see that? Be congressional hearings. They would be outraged. Right. And yet, it's just fine to have cars like this bashing men. He says, attacking blacks is racism, attacking women is sexism, but attacking men is conscious raising or comedy or both. Right. And you're seeing that play out on sitcoms. Well, yeah, if you watch television, used to, it was Father Knows Best or, you know, Leave It to Beaver, and the father was in the home, and he was a authoritative figure, and he was smart. Since this neo-feminism thing started... Go back and think about, you mentioned sitcoms. Look, think about the situation comedies, mm-hmm. the roles that are played there. Typically what happens is, in the milieu or whatever you want to call it, these comedies, the wife is the smart one, mm-hmm. and she's the authoritative one. The children are smarter than the daddy, and then sometimes she, the children are shown to be smarter than the mother and the father, mm-hmm. but they're always smarter than the father. And the father is either lazy or he's not very bright right. or both. A good example of this is Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. It's a very popular show. Mm-hmm. The wife was the smart one. Yeah. And she was the responsible one. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that made the decisions in the family. And the father, Tim Allen, he's the court jester. Who's always getting into some sort he's of He's always screwing things up and disaster. he can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, you go back and you look at all of these shows that have been on television. Which that's fine if that's one of a few. But right. when you start to see a pattern. And there is a pattern. Yeah. That becomes a problem because the, then you're sending a message. The pattern is overwhelming. And I'm telling you, if you're a 10-year-old boy and you're watching this, mm-hmm. you think, well, that's the way men work and that's the way men act. And they're the dumb ones in the family and the women are smarter and the kids are smarter. And, and one of the things that we see now... Mm-hmm as a result of all of this, is an increased suicide rate yeah. among young males. Yeah, women are, are two times more likely to attempt suicide. However, men commit suicide four times more often than women and account for 73% of all the suicides. But no one's talking about that. Nobody talks about it. And, you know, when one of the projects that we were doing here years ago, we were looking at these issues. And one of the things we came across, just to show you how this society had switched to the point that women's problems are all that matter. Mm-hmm. Men's problems don't matter. They don't have problems. They own the world, right? Yeah. Just in the issue of medical research, women die from breast cancer at almost the identical rate that men die from prostate cancer. But at the time we were looking at this, and this was probably in all oh, the early 90s, mid-90s, somewhere along there, men die from prostate cancer at the same rate that women die from breast cancer but 11 times as much money was spent allocated by Congress to examine breast cancer 
than to examine or to study prostate cancer. Another good example of that is sexual abuse and sexual violence. We hear yeah. a lot about quote, quote, rape culture and how women are being raped and which women are and rape is awful. But one thing that's not talked about very much or is just usually a side note is about men. One in six men has been sexually abused or assaulted a lot of times by 18. And there are about 2,000 shelters around the country for domestic abuse. Only two of them, two are for males. Most of them will turn men away and sometimes even young boys. Well, I wonder about this situation. We've talked about this here before. There's just been an explosion in just the last, I'd say, five years, five to ten years, mm-hmm. of female school teachers being indicted yeah. for having sex with boys in their classes. Mm-hmm. And you're having 30 and 40-year-old school teachers. We got one under indictment right here in Denton right now. 30 and 40-year-old school teachers having sex with these little boys that are 11 and 12 years old. And you think, what's driving this? What's causing this? But one of the things that's interesting about it is the difference in the way the legal system deals with it. Yeah. If you have a 40-year-old male teacher and he's having sex with an 11-year-old student and they catch him, he's probably going to get 50 years or he's going to go to prison for life or whatever. Studies have shown that these women get very little, if any, jail time. Yeah. For doing exactly the same thing. I remember, what was that case of that teacher that was having sex with one of her students? It was it was a really prominent case. That got well, Mary Kay Letourneau was one of the biggest early ones. That's Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking about. He was 11 when she yeah. was 34 yeah. when it started. I remember watching an interview a few years later, and it wasn't all that long, right. about you know their relationship and what happened afterwards, and she was already out of prison. And I remember thinking... What? Yeah. She was having sex with a minor child. How is she already out of prison? If it was a male, he wouldn't be out of prison. Well, see, there's another part of that story that you may not be aware of. Oh, I know. When she was first indicted, she was given probation. Yeah. She was not sentenced to prison. She was only sentenced to prison because I think it was in six weeks after she took her probation, she was having sex with him again. Yeah, the relationship continued. So Ugh. it took two times for her to be convicted to go to prison, and then she only went for a couple of years or so. Yeah. But these kind of stories now, she was one of the first high-profile ones, but they're everywhere. You can go online and find them every all over the country. Yeah. And I don't know what the driving force here is, why all of a know. sudden, because I don't ever remember in my school career when I was a kid that there was any suggestion that there were adult women having sex with any of the, my friends or any of the people that I yeah. was going to school with. So I think it has ratcheted up, and I don't know what's driving that. But what I do know is it's looked at totally differently mm-hmm. than if the gender roles were reversed and it was men preying on these little girls. There's this kind of passive acceptance of that as if it's not an issue. But, but all this comes back to the every day we're mm-hmm. hearing something about how especially straight white males are the reason for all of our problems. And, you know, I think this is fueled a lot by intersectionality. And from what I have noticed from intersectionality, the method or the solution is not to raise all demographics up to the same level. It's that you achieve equality by suppressing certain groups, right? Not raising everyone up to the same level. And so to me, it seems like this war on men or this disdain for men is let's push them down and gain equality by oppressing them. And you right. don't create a better world when right. you do that. Let's, let's make a point here. It's something you brought to my attention that I wasn't aware of. 
a woman named Cassie J, J-A-Y-E, documentary filmmaker. Yeah. And she's a researcher. And she set out to infiltrate the men's rights movement. And she went in as a hardcore feminist looking to interview the enemy, basically. Well, she and says pr- that. She says, I set out to prove how awful these people were. And she spent over a year mm-hmm. going around the country mm-hmm. infiltrating these groups mm-hmm. and interviewing these people that were in these men's rights groups. Yeah. And she became totally changed as a result of this. (laughs) She says, I'm not a feminist. She's like, but I do support women's rights and I do support men's rights. I now understand the issues that men are facing. And just as we have to deal with issues that women are facing, we have to address the issues that men are facing too. We don't do anyone a service by ignoring that. And that all the problems that women face were not created by men. They're not all the fault of the patriarchy. But she did a movie called The Red Pill Movie. Mm -hmm. And... She came out making basically the point that you just said. Look, it's not all what you think. Yeah. Right. And she started investigating all this stuff. And because her movie, which was originally designed to take this hardline, anti-male, we hate men, men are the cause of all the problems in the world, because it didn't take that position. People she had considered her allies for a long time were were, jumping on her. Were attacking her viciously, she said, and sometimes very nasty about it. And She says she all of a sudden realized how involved the media was at crafting narratives. Right, because the media attacked her as well. Yeah. She said, people who had never seen my movie were picketing it and calling for it to be shut down and not to be shown. Mm -hmm. She said, people on my side were saying that. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage people to go, if you go to the website, the Mm redpillmovie.com. It's got places where you can watch it, but Pluto TV is showing it for free right now. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, go to the Mm redpillmovie.com. You can watch the trailer for it, but there's also a little 14-minute speech by this woman. It's very enlightening what Mm -hmm. what she found, and I want to encourage everybody to go to that, the redpillmovie.com. We can put a link. Yeah, we'll put a link in the description, as well as links to a lot of the stats and articles we covered. We're out of time, and we've got tons more we could be talking about. Yeah. I also want to recommend, if people have questions or want to learn more about intersectionality, Dave Rubin has a really good interview on the Rubin Report called Deconstructing Anti-Semitism and Intersectionality Interview. I recommend everybody go check that out. It's a good interview. Yep. And again, we want to push this redpillmovie.com. Yeah. You're going to find out that, like this lady Cassie J. found out, things are not what they appear on the surface. They are not what you've been told by the godless leftist Marxist media. Ending on that note... Carol Gilligan, the woman that I mentioned earlier who was talking about this war on girls, and when she started talking about the war on boys and the reasons why, she said, boys aged three to seven are pressured to take into themselves the structure and moral order of a patriarchal civilization to internalize a patriarchal voice. This masculinizing process is traumatic and damaging, and that the well-being of society depends on freeing boys from, quote, quote, cultures that value or valorize heroism, honor, War and competition, the cultures of warrior, the economy of capitalism. And she argues that submerging their humanity is the root cause of out of control and out of touch behavior. So basically, what she's saying is that boys need to be separated from their fathers. We need to devalue what heroism. Their contribution is. Yeah, heroism, right. valor, even gentlemanness, right? right? 
We need to just raise them with women. And oh, by the way, capitalism right. is also the source of our problems. Throw that in there. Yeah. So then you see what the real agenda here is when you start yeah. studying who these people are. And again, this all goes back to the very ideology being the source of some of these problems. But no, mea culpa. No, no, no. It's patriarchy. They're the ones really right. at fault for this. It's, it's outrageous. But again, the whole thing, mm-hmm. the whole thing comes back down to separating women from their babies and women from men. Yeah. It's to separate women out. They can be dominated that way, and that's what these groups are trying to do. Make no mistake about it. Shut down men. And that ties exactly into that no uterus, no opinion argument, right? Right. You don't have a uterus. You just sit down over here, and And the women will take over. We're going to play the vagina card, and you don't get to participate. It's outrageous, but if you're aware that it's going on, Mm -hmm. then you can fight it better and understand what's happening. Yes. So do your own research if you don't trust us. Go check out the articles that we'll link in the description. Go read on this and go watch that Red Pill movie. I know I'm going to be. And tell your friends to listen to the Pro-Life America podcast. We need a bigger audience and we need your input so we know the kind of things you want to hear about. We have another episode that talks about how the feminist movement was hijacked. Uh, Put a link to that in the description as well. If you like our show, make sure you go and follow the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review or a rating. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Right. And what they're going to like mostly, of course, is me, right? Because oh, I'm, I'm the male. I'm here the, we go. Here we are in the patriarchal society. And, You're oppressing uh, me, Mark. You know, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> in uh, June, I will be married 50 years. Congratulations. There's no guy that's been married that long who thinks he lives in a patriarchal society. I promise (laughs) you that's true. I promise you that's the case. No man is under that delusion. But anyway, you got anything else? That's it. All right. Until next Thursday, remember, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight. We're here Mm -mm. to win. Because, because winning is how the killing stops. You took my part. Okay, but, well, but that's winning is how I'm, the killing stops. I'm patriarchal. Yeah, you're just suppressing my voice over there. Right. right. <laughs> hey, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye.